And welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine dog, Woody. How you doing, Woody? Woo. Of course, you all know what that wolf means. Get on over to our website, thepblpodcast.com. All of our social media links are there right on the top. Very easy. You can click on them. You can catch me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter quite a bit. On TikTok, even though I'm shadow banned right now, I'm still producing some videos. And of course, click on our YouTube channel and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We are fast moving up in the charts on YouTube. The algorithm has got a hold of us and is moving up our videos quite a bit. And we need you to keep that momentum going because life is not the matrix. It is an algorithm. Okay, so let's get right into it. Over the weekend, Trump was in Atlanta, uh, my hometown, and he was addressing a group of uh, black, I guess, conservatives, right? So he rolled out what he's calling the platinum plan for black America. And <clears throat> in the platinum plan, and I'm, I'm, I'll put an article to it uh, in my show notes, but the platinum plan basically is going to open up money for black businesses, loans, not giveaways, loans. It's going to call, it calls for almost $500 billion of capital investment in the black community with much of it coming from increased federal contracting opportunities and other investments. He also called for 500,000 new black businesses and 3 million jobs for black Americans. So the platinum plans, because what Trump has said was that, what do you got to lose when he's talking to the black community? What do you got to lose? Well, you don't have anything to lose. So he's saying, vote for me. And he's rolling out this plan. Now, I'm, you know, is it pandering? That is what the left is now uh, suggesting. This is just blood, Trump pandering to the left. So, okay, it, let's say it is. <clears throat> let's say it's Trump pandering to the left. There's a couple of notable, notable nuances here, because remember, we're all about the nuances here on this show. One is he did not have a bottle of hot sauce in his pocket. And he did not use a fake black accent. Now, what am I referring to? Most of you are probably aware of this. Hillary Clinton famously said that she carries a bottle of hot sauce in her purse while speaking to a black audience. Now, why? Why is that? Well, that's playing to the stereotype that blacks like hot sauce. I love hot sauce. Love hot sauce. In fact, uh, my wife, who uh, about as white as can be, blonde, bombshell kind of white lady, does actually carry hot sauce around with her. So much and so, I tell her, I go, would you stop doing it? Because she'll leave it in the car and it goes bad. There's this hot sauce we get. I'm going to recommend some hot sauce to you guys right now. If you love hot sauce. All right. If you even remotely like Tabasco, I'm going to tell you, never Never get Tabasco again. Go find this hot sauce. It's from Jamaica and it's called Grace. It is phenomenal. If you like Tabasco, you are going to love Grace. Oh man, it is so good. And to me, it's not a hot sauce. It's a pepper sauce. In fact, it says that on the bottle. Pepper sauce. Ah, it's awesome. Awesome. I, I, I stumbled upon Grace while in Jamaica. I went into a local grocery store, saw it for like, you know, 40 cents a bottle, bought one and went, oh, I've been hooked ever since. And that is now going on, gosh, two decades. So Grace, if you can find it, Grace Hot Sauce, product of Jamaica. Anyway, so that's why Hillary Clinton pandered to blacks because blacks have an affinity for hot sauce, much like I do, I guess. Maybe why my birth certificate says I'm black when I'm not, but that's another story for another podcast. But anyway, so, and then you have Hillary Clinton also when she was addressing black audiences with a fake black accent. 
I'm tired up around here. I'm no more tired. She was talking something like that. That was her accent. Even Barack Obama, when he addresses a black audience, does a, a phony black accent. Yeah, it's phony. The man doesn't have a black accent. He grew up in Hawaii for Pete's sakes. So Trump goes and addresses this black conservative audience. Now, if they're black conservative audience, chances are they're pretty smart because they're conservative. They're smart enough to realize that uh, government is not the solution to your problems. But anyway, I digress. So Trump's not going to go in there and pander that way. That's how the left panders. The left panders by carrying hot sauce in their pocket and talking in a fake accent. Trump, okay, was it pandering? Well, well this is what politicians do, right? They want to get votes. Here's what I'm going to do to get your vote. So yeah, you know what? I'll admit it was pandering. But here's the difference between what Trump does and what we often see the left do. Trump actually does what he says, and he says what he does. So if Trump tells you he's going to open up $500 billion in economic growth for the black community, whether it be through loans or uh, grants or whatever it is, you could pretty much expect Trump's going to actually do it. Because that's what he does. And I know the left like to say all he does is lie, lie, lie. Well, he actually does what he says. A couple other things he says he was going to do in that speech is he was going to list Antifa as a terrorist organization. Good. Great, actually. Antifa needs to be shut down and squashed. And he's going to list the KKK as a terrorist organization here in the article. The plan also proposes prosecuting KKK and Antifa as terrorist organizations. Notably, the president's plan doesn't mention far-right and white nationalist organizations, which federal law officials have identified as key proponents of race-based hate in America. Now, he says, now this is the wording. Again, the nuance is what's important. This is what it says. The plan also proposes prosecuting KKK and Antifa as terrorist organizations. So you'll hear, and I've already heard the left saying Antifa is not an organization. No, no, it has leadership people. But let's say you claim to be part of Antifa and you do you you hit these riots and you get caught. Well, you're going to be prosecuted as a terrorist organization. And the same goes for the KKK. So worst racist in the world, Donald Trump is because now he's going to prosecute the people that the left claims support him. I mean, if you want to be a bad racist, man, follow Trump's lead. That's a bad racist. I mean, first of all, he's offering all this economic uh, development and prosperity to the black community. Worst racist ever. He's saying he's going to prosecute KKK as a terrorist organization. Worst racist ever. And and he's talking about making Juneteenth a national holiday. How bad of a racist can this man be? Pretty bad, apparently. Now. My thoughts on this, I'm not all for Juneteenth as a national holiday. Uh, but, but you know, what is Juneteenth? At the core of Juneteenth, it's, it's independence for blacks. It's, it's, it's not some f celebration uh, in Atlanta. It used to be years ago. I don't know if you, for those of you who have lived in Atlanta um, for a number of years, you remember Juneteenth when it would happen? Pretty crazy, right? That's not what he's talking about. So Juneteenth becomes now a recognized national holiday. I mean, this president is such a bad racist. I mean, goodness gracious. You know, he's not a good racist like uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a good racist. Uh, what? What do you mean? You know, he, he did what? Joe Biden said he was a student at Delaware State University, which was 
what a historically black college and he said joe biden was a student there well that's pretty awesome if he was a, what wait what woody oh hold on folks woody's woody's correcting me oh joe biden said he was a student at a historically black college delaware state university but the school has come out and said uh no wait a minute joe you're not delaware state university denies biden was a student after claim he got started there yes that's right this is from the new york post delaware state university has denied that joe biden has ever been a student there after the presidential candidates claim that he got started at the historically black college <sighs> the 77 year old democrat made this claim while praising historically black colleges and universities during a town hall event last october before the southern carolina democrat party <sighs> joe biden says i got started out at hbcu delaware state he told pupils at wilson high school in florence which was founded in 1866 by the freedmen's bureau for black children seeking an education now i don't want to hear anything negative about delaware state they're my folks he told the pupils to chuckles no biden no joe thank you woody for alerting me that no no joe you didn't get your start there the university has no record of you so that my friends is pandering that is not what is i don't even know how to, you know how how does this man get away with this you ain't black if you're not voting for biden you know i want my children growing up in a racial jungle or a racist jungle i mean this is biden this is what he says you know uh what did he said black kids minority kids are just as smart as white kids that was another comment from joe biden i mean the list goes on and on and on but trump he's the racist right and if you're voting for trump you're a racist because because nothing they've got nothing ladies and gentlemen the left have nothing all right look at this story this is from gateway pundit report trump surging with black and his Hispanic voters in key states. Trump's appeal among black and Hispanic voters is strong and growing in one aspect of the 2020 election that confounds Democrats and people in the liberal media who have spent three years insisting that President Trump is a racist. In fact, Trump speaks to and supports all Americans. It's so simple, but the Democrats just don't get it. In the end, minority voters may, may, it's keyword, help Trump win election and it goes on to talk about florida specifically and how florida uh trump's polling in the black and hispanic community has been an uprise that's why i say i think he's got florida i think florida's a bag and if he gets florida then everything else falls into place florida is a pivotal state but this is why the left is in a panic mode this is why they're going to try to throw everything they can at this president plus the kitchen sink so they're bringing up taxes again they're bringing up russia again although the new york times has kind of inadvertently squashed the russia narrative they're uh, going to bring up uh him being a racist they're, they'll continue to pound on that even though he, he's offered up so much for the black community even though he has also um, allotted more money to historically black colleges than any other president before him. People aren't stupid. Leftists, they don't, they think you're stupid. The, but the people that are listening, and I mean people of all colors, black, white, brown, whatever color you think you are, or whatever colors you think there are in the human race, they're not stupid. People see this. Eyes are open. This isn't like it was before. The mainstream media doesn't control the narrative any longer. 
the mainstream media has lost control of the narrative. CNN's ratings are an all-time low. MSNBC, they just preach in a vacuum. I was watching MSNBC over the weekend, and I mean, you have four panelists, you know, each one in their own block, their own Zoom panel, if you will, and all of them talking about how this president's a racist this and a racist that. It was just them speaking in a vacuum. And all they're doing is speaking to their audience, which is also in the same vacuum as them. And they're not getting out of that vacuum and seeing what's really going on across America. Trump doesn't need the black vote, by the way. Trump won the presidency last time with 8% of the black vote. So if he maintains that 8%, he could still win the presidency again. The Democrats are the ones that are in panic over the black and Hispanic vote leaving the Democrat Party. They're the ones in panic. And then you've got Joe, who's, where's Joe? Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director, Kathy Rankin. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching for you? If you are in business and you are in front of people or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength, as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or, again, talking with the media in front of camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting, or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd and a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You you're going to love this workshop. Uh, Joe has taken a lid on uh, now i believe it's 11 days out of september now if you didn't catch the previous podcast what a lid means is lid when they say they put a lid on the campaign that means the candidate is no longer doing any media appearances any more questions or anything like that the candidate is basically out of the picture now they're saying it's because of the debates which are tomorrow by the way because of the debate so joe is practicing the debate so what's happening well Jill Biden's been out on the campaign trail more than her husband, who is actually running for president of the United States of America. In fact, she was just recently out at some small event, I don't know, some Midwestern town where they had like 12 people. They had several of those kind of events. She also just did a sit down with Jake Tapper. By the way, they're sitting like 20 feet apart. Why so far? I thought it was just a six foot thing. But anyway, so Jake Tapper uh, sits down with Jill Biden and starts it off with talking about her husband's gaffes. And Jill Biden immediately shuts it down, saying, oh, no, oh, no, we're not talking about it. Not with Donald Trump. We're not talking about it. Here's, here's the exchange. I'll read it to you. I'm not going to play it. But uh, Jake Tapper asked Jill Biden about her husband, Joe. You ain't black. Biden's signature gaffes. This is Tapper. Your husband has been known to make occasional gaffes, Tapper said. Then here goes Jill Biden. You can't even go there. After Donald Trump, you cannot even say the word gaffe, she said. Tapper goes, I can't even say the word gaff jill biden nope nope it's done it's gone tapper laughs and that was it he totally abandoned his question 
He abandoned his line of questioning. He let her completely shut him down and roll him over. And, and people think the mainstream media has a voice anymore? No, they don't. The mainstream media is, is lost. The ratings are in the toilet. New York Times, readership is down. Subscriptions are down. The cable news networks, ratings aren't that great. CNN's lo lowest rated cable news network. Fox News, ratings are okay, but even their ratings aren't as big as what they used to be. But I, I mean, Fox News is a vacuum as well. There are way other sources people are getting their information from, and it's changing the landscape of where, how people think and view the elections. This is why I believe Trump's going to win. I could be wrong. Biden is leading the polls, but if you look at the trends, Trump, Trump, Trump's doing okay. Biden's doing worse than Hillary Clinton is at this same point in 2016, and Trump went on the win. So can we expect the same thing? I think so. The trends favor Trump. Tomorrow is the debate. If Biden comes out and does a phenomenal job at the debate, it could change the trends. If Biden comes out and is, and is how Biden has been during this um, campaign season with the gaffes and the loss of thought, the come on, man. Oh, I've said too much. You know, if he starts doing that, he lost the debate and he lost the election. There's been so many moments where I think Biden has lost the election. We're just going to see more of these moments. But where's Kamala Harris? I mean, she's supposed to be the attack dog VP. Have you seen her? I rarely see her. Here's an article from the Washington Examiner. Whatever happened to Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris was widely thought to be a likely attack dog for Joe Biden. This was an article written September 25th, 2020 by Emily Larson out of, again, the Washington Examiner. And it goes on. The former prosecutor earned a reputation for rising to the moment during high stakes situations such as her grilling of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh during his 2018 confirmation hearing. And even awkwardly when she confronted her now running mate in the first round of Democratic primary debates last summer. Remember, she called Biden a racist, accused him of being a segregationist. Where is she? All right, from the article, but the California senator has kept a conspicuously low profile since Labor Day, declining to make news-shaping statements or upstaging the two-term vice president and 2020 Democratic presidential nominee. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed by this one. I really am surprised. I, you know, Harris can be an attack dog, with all due respect, and I thought her selection, this is what was going to happen. But... Nothing. I mean, nothing. Now, the article goes on. Harris did generate headlines after she was unveiled as Biden's number two last month and has led the campaign's minority vote outreach efforts. However, it's her light footprint on the trail that's now starting to receive attention. So even NBC articles goes on. NBC News reporter Deepa Shivaram, for instance, called out Harris's lack of media access this week in a tweet. A reminder, this is a tweet, a reminder that it has been 42 days since Harris was tapped as the VP pick. There are 42 days until the election day. The senator is not once formally taking questions from the press. What, what is going on? Could it be that once they picked her, they realize, one, she's, she's horrible on the camera. I mean, she's horrible. 
She's absolutely horrible in these events. That's why she didn't even win a primary. She dropped out before the first primary in uh, their, the Democrat race to, for, the, for the nomination. She got nothing. She got zero um, delegates. And she was horrible on the campaign trail, just absolutely awful. And they tapped her. Why? Well, I think we all know why. We can all surmise why is because of the color of her skin. She's black and she's female, her gender and her skin tone. And then I don't think that there's probably a lot of cohesion behind the scenes. I don't think she really has a lot of respect for Joe Biden because she's already called him a racist and a segregationist, right? Now, she's a politician, so they all say things in the primary. That's what they do. But I'm guessing these two don't really get along. But that doesn't explain why the campaign is not using her as an attack dog. It's perplexing. You've got 37 days until the election. You've got just now a little over a month, right? Five weeks. And Biden's putting a lid on it. Harris is nowhere to be seen. It's the strangest campaign i've ever seen i've never seen anything like it i've just never seen now is it because they're hoping and this is what i i believe they're hoping that trump defeats trump it seems like their strategy is let trump defeat trump because trump's out there he's on the campaign trail and they let trump be trump and the american people can see just what you know a racist lunatic misogynist he is and then biden harris are the safe choice at the polls. But if that's their strategy, that's a bad strategy. Again, the level of excitement for this president, I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. So <clears throat> what is going on? Hey, maybe you know, maybe you got some insight. You can email me at the PBL, the PBL podcast at gmail.com. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Well, we know why Biden's putting a lid on it. Now, the the media is trying to say it's because Biden's preparing for the debates, but I mean, that's a lot of preparation. If he has to take this much preparation to get ready for the debates, he's not the right guy. Uh, but we know that's not the reason why we know the reason why is because they're afraid uh, to put him in more public appearances because he can't function without a teleprompter. What's going to happen at this debate? I mean, I, there's just no telling it's going to be, I mean, one, it's going to be the most widely viewed debate probably in a long time because people are going to see if Biden can handle it. That's going to be number one. Now, what that brings is it brings a lot of eyeballs to television. And if Biden can handle it, then he wins the debate. Now, <clears throat> my my guess is Biden's not going to be as bad as a lot of people, myself included, think he's going to be, even though I just contradicted myself there. I, you know, I'm I'm thinking Biden's going to be OK. But I could be wrong. I mean, Biden could just completely fall apart. If he does, it's over. Absolutely over. But if he doesn't, if he comes out okay, he's still got two more he's got to do. So he does this debate. I can't see him getting out of it now, right? We're, we're, we're in the 11th hour, 10th hour, whatever you want to say. We're, we're, the debate's tomorrow, Tuesday. I'm doing this podcast on a Monday. And I don't see how he gets out of it now. But he will, he can get out of the second one and the third one depending how this one goes. So we'll see. All right, moving on. There's a couple of things uh, that are breaking. Project Veritas did an, an expose on ballot harvesting in Minnesota, and it came up that Ilhan Omar allies uh, have are alleged to 
have done some ballot harvesting. And what ballot harvesting is they go around, they grab all the ballots and they fill out for their candidate and submit them, right? So if you're a senior citizen, they, uh, in the article, in the investigation, the group would go to senior citizens' house, just take their ballots, fill them out for them with the candidate they want and submit those those ballots. So I don't know where this is going to go. Project Veritas has done some really good sound work, but it, it kind of gets squashed a lot in the media. So it probably won't go anywhere, but that's kicking some dust up right now. There's a story in Breitbart about it. There's a story in the New York Post about it, where pro the headline in the New York Post, Project Veritas uncovers ballot harvesting fraud in Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, Miranda Devine is the author, and it says a ballot harvesting racket in Democratic Rep. Ilhan, Ilhan Omar's Minneapolis district, where paid workers illegally gather absentee ballots from elderly Somalia immigrants, appears to have been busted by uncovered news organization Project Veritas. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think this goes anywhere. In fact, I don't believe it will go anywhere. It should. It should be a scandal for Ilhan Omar. I mean, there's been a ton of them, but it seems the me the mainstream media just stays away from anything to do with the squad other than painting them in a positive light. In fact, uh, CNN just had a movie, they called it a movie, uh, over the weekend that they released, uh, John Lewis, Good Trouble. Now, you know, regardless how you feel about John Lewis, that's not where I'm going here, but it was a documentary on John Lewis. And in the promo reel for the documentary, they show Ilhan Omar talking about him. They show Ayanna Presley talking about him and they show um, the AOC chick talking about positively about John Lewis. Three of the squad members, the Talib Shiab, I forget how you say her last name, the Talib chick, the crazy one from Detroit, they didn't show her, which was interesting. And you haven't seen much of her lately. So something's happening there because she's not been in the news a lot. But Ilhan Omar still is. Ayanna Presley's getting more press. And of course, AOC is always all over the place because anytime you put AOC on anything, it gets eyeballs. It just does. It gets ears and eyes to the screen, to the radio, because she's that polarizing. And anytime you mention AOC, like I just picked up probably about three listeners just by mentioning AOC. And this is in the the the, the bottom half or the bottom hour of the podcast. Anyway, I jest. But anyway, I don't believe the Project Veritas story is going to amount to much. Ilhan Omar, nothing's going to happen to her. If something hadn't happened yet, nothing's going to happen there. She's up for re-election. She won her primary. She'll win her election. It's Minnesota, people. It's where she's running is heavily, heavily uh, Islamic. You know, you get the you get the government you elect. If they elect her, hey, that's on them. I'm not moving there. I'm not living there. The same with uh, Detroit. The same with the New York area where AOC is. Um, I don't even know where Ayanna Presley's out of, but you know, I wouldn't live in those areas anyway. You deserve the government you elect. So the people deserve people like Ilhan Omar, who's only, by the way, benefiting themselves. But anyway, I digress. <clears throat> All right. There's a couple of other bits of news, one sad and then satirical. The sad was uh, former Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale. He's hospitalized over the weekend after threatening harm to himself. Now, he was either let go or left the campaign, Trump campaign, a number of months back. But apparently over the weekend down in Florida, uh, the police had to be called and he barricaded himself in his home and threatened to harm himself. So very, very sad story. We don't know what demons are chasing inside of Brad Parscale, Parscale's head. Um, my heart goes out to him and his family. I hope they can 
figure this out. I know the left is now going to, um, I'm sure they already have, it's probably all over Twitter and other leftist media, um, social media outlets where they're probably saying, see, this is what happens when your conscience bothers you that you work for Trump. Mark my word, that's going to be. But if what is said is true about Brad Parscale being hospitalized down in Florida because uh, he threatened some self-harm, barricaded himself in his house, guys, that, that, that's, that's tragic. I mean, to anybody, there was a case here in Atlanta last week where somebody did this and they barricaded themselves in the house and actually shot at police. I mean, for somebody mentally to go through something like that, I mean, that's tragic. And I hope the best for him and his family. Uh, just a sad story. Okay, last story of the day. Um, this is out. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll tell you this after I tell you the headline. The headline, Brilliant Trump puts himself on all postage stamps, forcing Democrats to push for abolish the United States Postal Service. That's right. So by Trump putting his face on a postage stamp, the left will come out and say, now let's abolish the United States Postal Service. Anyway, I just this is from the Babylon Bee. If you haven't tapped into the Babylon Bee, it's a great satire site. They're the ones that did um, this just in the Ninth Court of Appeals has overturned the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So check out the Babylon Bee. I'll put this one in the show notes and uh, you can go have some fun reading these articles. They, they've tapped into politics greatly. Now remember, good satire means there's some truth to it. So who doesn't believe that if Trump did something like this, that the left would then turn against the post office. <laughs> you know they would. You know they would. All right, lots of news coming. We've got a big day tomorrow with the debates. So they'll be 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, I, I anticipate a lot of people watching. I anticipate very high ratings for this debate. Um, if you're asking, will... And this has come up. Do you believe Chris Wallace will compromise the debate by giving Biden the answers or the questions? I don't believe so. My 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 answer would be a big fat no. While I do have some issues with Chris Wallace, he is a little wishy washy and squishy. I, I do believe the man has integrity, and I don't believe in any way, shape, or form that he would compromise the questions. And I believe that he understands that people will think that and is probably keeping the questions very much under wrap. However, we know what the topics are going to be. Those are already released, but it should be a very interesting debate. I know I'm tuning in to see how Biden will do. I'll, I'll flat out admit it. I want to see if the man, if he's capable of handling a debate against Trump. Now, my worry is not anything about doing with Biden. My worry is that Trump takes it for granted that Biden has these issues and is not prepping. Trump's a smart man, so I can't believe he's not prepping in some way, shape, or form, but I hope he is. I hope he's not going to just run on gut and instinct because that could trip him up and that could give the win to Biden. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Be sure to get on our website, pblpodcast.com, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are moving up in the charts and we want to continue that trend and we need your help. We being Woody and I, and Woody says one big final wolf that's his saying goodbye thanks for listening to the podcast thanks everyone